Welcome to a special 15-year anniversary episode of Stories from the NNI. I'm Lisa Friedersdorf, Director of the National Nanotechnology Coordination Office. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Matt Loudon, CEO of TechConnect Ventures, a technology prospecting company. In this role, Matt works with researchers, entrepreneurs, corporations, and federal agencies to accelerate the transition of innovation into industry and society. He has co-founded multiple technology accelerator companies and nonprofits. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you first got involved in nanotechnology? You know, I initially started working in nanotech in graduate school at the University of Wisconsin. I was partially funded and partially working on uh, microsystem design and fabrication, but also on advanced uh, nanoscale lithography initiatives in the semiconductor industry. And so worked with a consortium that was partially funded by Motorola and Lucent and Intel and AMD and I think the Department of Defense as well all looking at the next generation of lithography for the semiconductor industry. And as we got into smaller and smaller scaling and feature sizes. So part of that was working at a synchrotron that was there at the university. Through that experience, I was exposed to nanotechnologies and what we saw in terms of designing future semiconductor devices. But more so, I think that kind of impacted me was working at the synchrotron, especially late night at the high energy beam time, you'd walk around in the middle of the night. At the end of each beam line, there would be some experiment going on. And what was happening is you'd see industry involvement from across multiple sectors, all working at the nanoscale. And so that included semiconductor industry, as I was involved in pharmaceutical industry, energy, uh, oil and gas, own materials and chemical, obviously. And so it was really across the range of industry sectors. And so part of my involvement was in graduate school, actually working on semiconductor advanced lithography. And then part of it was more observational to see what was happening across all these different industry sectors, all working at the nanoscale. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and the role that you have in the commercialization ecosystem? You bet. So TechConnect is a technology prospecting company, and we do that through a number of different vehicles. We run events in different areas and different technology domains in which we bring together researchers, technology transfer offices or commercialization offices, startups. And then we usually bring in corporate or government buyers that are looking to engage with these emerging technologies. So we run, run programs such as that throughout the year through conferences. We run innovation challenges that are sometimes embedded in those events and sometimes they're standalone. We have a, another brand called TechConnect Ventures that focuses on non-event related technology prospecting. And so that's when, where we work with corporate clients or government clients that are looking for new technologies. And then we issue out calls for innovations to our community worldwide. And then we scout those, bring them back, vet them, and work with the client to connect them up with those new technologies. So you have a really interesting perspective on the transition of knowledge or research into licensing agreements or co-development. Can you share your thoughts about what sectors you're seeing, maybe observations over the time that you've been working in this space? So we, our, our focus is primarily on physical and life sciences. And 
we've seen technology, we see and have seen over the last 10 years, technologies that would fall under the nanotech umbrella, how we define it under our taxonomy, that feed into most every industrial sector. So, you know, it's really across, obviously, again, materials and chemical, but medical devices, pharmaceutical, electronics, energy, defense, personal and home care. You know, it, it really crosses all of these sectors. Looking at a sample set of about 10,000 innovations that have come through our challenge programs, we see about 30% of those that actually call out nanotech by name. And by our taxonomy, our definitions around nanotech, about 70% of those have some tie back to nanotech, either through funding, through their research, or the technologies themselves. Do you have any advice for young entrepreneurs or maybe even students who are interested in a tech startup from, from your vantage point? You know, it depends on the, I guess, who the entrepreneur is. And, and we have a lot of entrepreneurs that are what we would consider technology innovators or creators first and foremost, and then they're moving that into the business realm. And, you know, we really believe it's a success on our part when we see a student, a graduate student, for example, that has started as a poster presentation at one of our events, and, and then that moved to an intellectual property or, a, you know, a, a startup pitch to some of our investors or industry partners. And then that moves actually into a, it becomes a company or is licensed and the company and the whole technology has gone away and they've moved on to the next technology. So when I say it depends on who the entrepreneur is, if you know, their basis is a, is a researcher and a technology developer, in general, you know, we, we see the most success where they move their technology out into industry as quickly as they can progress it as opposed to perhaps trying to build the next new material company or chemical company as quickly as they can. They find one of these unique ways to create a partnership with an existing industry and then go back to what they're good at, which they've already proven out, is to invent and innovate and create the next technology and do it again. There are obviously many exceptions to that where, where you have a researcher who, who has become a serial entrepreneur but in terms of starting their own company, running their own company or companies, but really moving that technology as quickly out into industry as possible through these creative, perhaps not the traditional route of venture capital is, I think, one of the best routes for this community. I wanted to talk a little bit about workforce development, encouraging students to get engaged and this is another one of the really critical challenges facing the U.S. When I talk to big companies, especially, for instance, the semiconductor industry, they often tell me that their number one concern is workforce. And we've embedded this student program in the Student Leaders Conference targeting undergraduates. Did you want to comment on your perspective of workforce, STEM education, the graduate student programs that you have through your meetings? I mean, I'd really like to talk about the student leader program because it's something that I'm very proud to be involved in and happy that this was something we were able to jointly launch. You know, this was a program and a concept of outreach involvement from undergraduate students that have a leadership role within some sort of student club or organization 
that could be across engineering, physics, nanotechnology specifically, or business or commercialization. The idea is we host them at the conference annually. They build a program of their own, and we try to pull in industry leaders and investment leaders and agency leaders to engage with them. And we look at those students as points of contact that can go back to their universities and tell them more about what's happening, not just amongst each other, best practices of what's happening within these student organizations, but also give them a new perspective on what it means to be a scientist or be an engineer or to be an entrepreneur and what happens when their technologies are developed and who do they interact with and where's the funding come from and you know what are the routes and possibilities for their jobs. And I think sometimes it's hard for them to know, and and a lot of the feedback that we received has been very grateful and I think eye-opening because we forget that they aren't exposed to all of this. And I, I think it's you know it's something we're very proud of at the event and want to encourage more student involvement uh, to to be part of this. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a really important part of what we do with our outreach to encourage students and for undergrads or faculty that work with undergrads, we encourage you to look into the Student Leaders Conference and the Next Tech Student Network, and we would love to have more students involved and help grow that community, which we're really depending on to move these innovations forward in the future. Could you comment a little bit on how you're bridging not only disciplines, but you know different aspects of the ecosystem, the academics and the, and the small companies and industry? within the programming that you put together. Yeah, so ecosystem is you know, very much the right term and the innovation ecosystem is how we view it. And we see this as, as foundationally based on research coming from universities and labs or your corporate research that feeds up to more commercially viable or mature technologies that then some cases end up in, in tech transfer offices, some cases end up thinning out. So we work very closely with targeting what we consider to be key technology research tracks that, that we embed within our events. And then we build relationships with tech transfer offices, uh, commercialization offices, to help move technologies that they have identified as high potential to move those out and get them in front of our participating corporate partners work with SBIR offices because this is at this point about three and a half billion dollars of annual funding to support uh, technology commercialization in the U.S. Attempt to work with other agencies such as the Department of Defense, Department of Energy, funding programs, anything and venture capital as well. But any of all of those pieces come together into what we consider the innovation ecosystem. And that's the point of our events, our community that we put in place is to to have all of those aspects represented so that there are as many routes to support technologies that are moving through the system and getting them out into some sort of application. So Matt, I want to thank you again for taking the time to talk with us today. Do you have any parting thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners? I think specifically around nanotech, we feel that we're just scratching the surface. We see this incremental flow of, of research and IP, and, and we see the impact and we see the interest from industry and the volume of innovation that's passing through our programs and the 
targeting requests that we get from those corporate communities. We just feel that this nanotech is really just making an impact now, but it's also, it's just the foundation. It's the beginning of where it's going to end up. And so I, I think that's probably the most important piece for us and look forward to continuing working with you. Thank you for joining us today for this special 15-year anniversary edition of Stories from the NNI. If you would like to learn more about nanotechnology, please visit nano.gov or email us at info at nnco.nano.gov and check back here for more stories. Mm-hmm.